I think that a lot of people just when they do build, they're unrealistic about like what different outcomes can be. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another bonus episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and today we're welcoming to the show Gina Pirelli. She is the founder and CEO of Stay AI, a new subscription platform. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, awesome. All right. So quickly at the top, I always like to talk about the product a bit so people have a little bit more uh, just an understanding of some of the decisions. Um, so talk a bit more about stay AI, stay AI and the problems that you're solving in the market. Yeah. So I think like, I mean, I will get into my background in a bit, but I love the retention space. I think that subscription was the one piece that like really hadn't been innovated in a while. It was very like kind of set it and forget it. And I think we spend so much time like on acquisition and like now like retention is kind of getting this like shiny, like light that uh, acquisition isn't as easy as it used to be. Um, but people are testing different things in Clavio. They're doing all this different stuff with their SMS list. And for me, I was like, why are we doing nothing with our subscribers? Like, why do, why are we like excluding subscribers come from the conversation? Cause people are so scared that they're going to unsubscribe. We're really like, we have their credit card information. These are your super fans. Like, we should be optimizing. So I really wanted to view subscription as more of like a performance channel. Um, see what can we test? What can we do with upsells? How do we increase AOV? And that's really kind of the premise behind stay is like viewing like subscription as a channel that you go into, you optimize, like you don't just like set it up and forget about your subscribers. Like you really want to create this cohesive um, subscriber journey for them to go through and have them like build that affinity to your brand. Absolutely. So I don't think many people wake up one day with such a passion for subscriptions. How did you end up here i would agree um most people do not do not give a shit about uh subscription the way that i do um i have been so when we like to take a step take a million steps back uh at this point was what it feels like um i have been in the retention marketing space for like the last 10 years now so uh really kind of like after school i ended up working in email marketing uh, for this resort in new jersey and i was managing their content calendar across like 12 different business units i was doing everything from designing the emails copywriting the emails sending them scheduling them building them uh building that whole content calendar and i i really liked it it was kind of fascinating to me that like you could send these you would go like you would see season pass sales and there would be like you know nothing really going on you send an email and all of a sudden you see it's like skyrocket up uh and i kind of liked that you could you, know, you can kind of manipulate that behavior and you can do different things to make people either spend more uh, different points of the journey. So I got into retention marketing there. Um, from that job, I went on to work at a couple different agencies. I went back in house. Uh, and then eventually Pearson, my co-founder was like, I want to start my own agency. Emails dead. Let's do acquisition. Start Lunar Solar with me. And I was like, no, like I'm too far in. Like I'm a retention girly at this point. Like I really like it. I kind of like see that retention is going to be a thing. Like I, I want to do this. And this was like, I guess five, six years ago now. And like really everyone was like gung ho on Facebook still. Like everyone was like, this is it. Uh, and I was just like, no, like I'm a retention girly. And I've kind of stuck to my guns ever since then. We, we built Lunar Solar and I ran our retention team there for a while. And I think like just all the different stuff um, they were able to do. Uh, I've been pretty passionate about. And I, I just really, I really like the space. 
Absolutely. So let's chat a little bit more about Lunar Solar Group uh, and the types of clients you were working with and the types of problems you were solving there and how that kind of evolved. Yeah. So when we first started Lunar Solar, um, we were actually a lot in the fashion and apparel space. Um, so I was doing a lot of just like basic like welcome series and abandoned cart. Uh, and then we kind of like stumbled in just through relationships and whatnot, launching um, Olipop and Super Coffee's e-commerce uh, retention program. So like building their first welcome series from scratch, launching their SMS programs uh, and just being able to work with them, their teams. I think like we did a really, really good job there. And it's kind of like what put us on the map, especially in like the better for you F&B space. Uh, and it kind of just allowed us to work with so many different brands there. So I've probably touched well over a hundred, maybe probably close to 200 brands, um, building out their different, uh, like email, SMS, uh, subscription journeys, loyalty rewards, kind of like everything that space tying those things together. And I think what made the lunar solar program so special was how close I loved being to all those different tech stacks, understanding the integrations, how you could piece different things together and then create these really unique like, customer journeys kind of in like using Clavio's like this CDP, uh, to integrate everything into and then like create um, these experiences for customers. Absolutely. So with Lunar Solar Group, you guys built uh, one application and then I know had an exit from that. Uh, how did that come about with the agency and just kind of explain that journey a bit? Because that definitely sets the stage for basically round two, <laughs> what you're doing now. Yeah. So I think what you see most common and what we originally thought would happen was we'll build this agency, we'll learn a lot about brands, and then we'll build brands. Um, and I think like, had you asked me, you know, three, four years ago, like, that's what I thought we were going to be doing. Um, I was like, I had all, I was like, I'm going to do a whiskey brand. I want to do a skincare brand, like had all these like different brands that I wanted to do. And the further we got into it, I think I just really realized like my passion was just more on the tech side. Uh, I loved advising for the different apps. I loved kind of just like, I was a, a power user for all these different platforms. I loved kind of like pushing it to see how far we could go. And it really, like we started placing investments in some of the brands we worked with. Then we started placing investments in some of the apps that we worked with. And we realized this like interesting flywheel with the apps where we would invest in them. We would, um, you know, test them with agency clients. And then, uh, we would constantly be advising on the product roadmap. And we were like, wait, if we're doing all those pieces, why don't we just try building some apps? Uh, and that kind of spun us into building No Commerce, um, which is a post-purchase survey uh, attribution tool. So we built that out and it, we learned a lot. <laughs> I'll say we learned a lot of lessons um, with No about just like when you're building a SaaS company, how all these different things like average contract size and like LTV and like how you get customers on, like what the freemium model actually means and things that like in the beginning, you're kind of looking at certain metrics and you're like, oh, we have X amount of people on the platform. And like, oh, we did this much in revenue. But when you go out to raise all of a sudden, like all the metrics that you think are good, people are like, oh, well, no, but you don't have this. Like you can't raise money. And like the cap table is structured like that. So we learned a lot of lessons um, building out no. And uh, while it wasn't the right thing to go out and like raise for, it was a great app to be acquired um, into a roll up. So we talked to a lot of different companies uh, and ended up selling it actually to WeCommerce and just going through that process, like understanding what's involved in an acquisition, like all the different paperwork, the legal, the this, the that set us up really well when um, we had the idea to start stay and at I'm sure we'll talk about it, but like we've acquired another company and merged in. I'm just like really grateful for the no experience. I wouldn't have known anything about that um, had we not gone through that. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about how the ideas for those two companies uh, kind of 
bubbled up and became something you felt like it was worth investing your time in? Yeah, I would say I have a really unique, maybe it's not that unique, maybe this is like how most successful co-founders work, but I'm really grateful for the co-founder relationship that I have with Pearson. We play very different kind of sides of like what founders need to be where I am like, typically a bit more in the weeds. I'm kind of like pushing things. Like I'm like, I like to kind of get my hands dirty, work with product. Uh, I'm very vocal when I don't like something. Um, I love to complain where then he is like the kind of big ideas guy. Well, he's like, well, what if we did this? And like, I think that he will, if he spits 99 ideas at me, like one is I'm like, wait, 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 I can work with that. Like, that's actually, that's a great one. Um, and a lot of them I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Uh, but it, it kind of came from that where like we were doing a lot of different things. Like I would complain and be like, well, I can't figure this out. Like, well, I can't do this. Like, how can I not do this? And he'd be like, well, what if we built an app that did this? Uh, and sometimes the ideas were just bonkers crazy. Um, but the no one uh, was, it was, it was good. Uh, it was good. And we were really fortunate. Jeremiah and Taylor uh, were working for Lunar Solar at the time on the development team. And they were both kind of like, we want to build applications like rewarded building Shopify themes. And it was, you kind of just like had this like element of like luck and magic at the same time where all the pieces were there and they were like, well, we'll just, we'll build it. And we were like, Oh, well, okay. Like if you'll build it, then like, we'll kind of tell you the ideas. Uh, and that's how no really kind of got started. And then uh, after we sold Jeremiah I was able to step up and take it and just run with it. Uh, he's been an incredible CEO there. Absolutely. Yeah. That's been a, a fun kind of uh ship to watch kind of shoot off there i need to get him on the show you i'm sure you'll connect me after this yeah um so where does stay ai come from where what planted the seeds for that yeah so stay um i knew at some point i think like i had stepped up i was lunar solar's coo i just kind of didn't love it. it didn't feel like the like the forever um plan for me i think i i love the retention side of things i loved building but the coo role just like at an agency wasn't the right fit. Uh, so I think I like Pierce and I just had a lot of honest conversations of like, all right, like what, what kind of do I do next? And at that time we were like, maybe we'll do a venture studio. We're going to do a lot of these kind of apps that we spin out and sell um, in, you know, the couple million, you know, under $10 million range. Uh, and that like makes a lot of sense for us. And and you'll maybe like, you'll go run that division or you'll run that studio. And then uh, there were some changes in the Shopify ecosystem where Shopify had opened up this subscription API We'd seen a couple other new players rush into the space. And I was just kind of like, God, like if there was ever a time to like really like to, to mix things up and to like, you know, be, get inspired and to change the way that people think about subscription, like now's the time. And nobody was doing that. Like everyone was kind of just like looking at, at recharging the platforms that existed. And they were like, oh, we'll just like build it, build another version of this. Like we'll just build like a faster, quicker, like a better version. And I was like, why is it better if it does the same thing? Where I was like, what if we really treated this the way that like, people looking Clavio and like, what if you're able to AB test things like the, the amount of like attention to detail and hours spent in the, in the Facebook ads manager, why are we not doing that for retention? Like, why are we not caring about our subscribers? Once they become subscribed, we just kind of like accept what the LTV is. And we just like hope and pray that it stays the same instead of like actually testing things to see if we can make it better. Um, where I think like I had done that so much in email and like with all these other programs. And it was something where I just had to kind of felt like, blocked with subscription in the past where I was like, I want to do this. If we can kind of put this, ex what is the experience engine at the base, the tech and this ability to like AB test and build these different journeys. And uh, we scoped it out and we talked to Taylor and he was like, Oh yeah, we can do that. And I was like, well, if we can do it, like, let's do it. Uh, and that's kind of where the idea for stay came from. 
Absolutely. And, and you mentioned that you acquired a business during this journey? We did. Um, so most just kind of like untraditional. I thought at one point our investors were going to shoot us. Uh, so we raised, <laughs> we raised a pre-seed, uh, on a safe note. And then, uh, we went out, um, and we had raised like another round. I don't, we kind of like didn't like the first like three safe notes that we had raised. Like I feel like we didn't like name them properly. Um, but whatever we go out, we raised this like kind of second round that's like pre-launch, I guess like more of a traditional seed. Uh, and then we, meet with, or we kind of like notice like, what are the different acquisitions? What are the different outcomes that could happen for us? And I think that's something that not a lot of people think of early on. And like, yeah, sometimes people just build the build and they don't care about the outcome. But for us, we were like, you know, what, like who would stay ever sell to if we were to sell it? Like who does buy something like this? Like what other acquisitions have even gone on in this space? And we looked at it and, um, Paddle had bought a company called uh, uh, Profit Well, and um, Chargebee had bought uh, this other like uh, post-purchase survey app. And there was kind of like one left in the space called Retention Engine. And we had run into like so we noticed that piece. So we'd like seen like okay, there's acquisitions going on around like churn reduction software, like in the subscription space. Interesting. Then we looked at um, what are the other pieces in the tech stack? Like when we need to migrate people over, are there things that we have to integrate with that like people will not leave Recharge or another platform without? And Retention Engine was one of them. It had come up a couple times in the sales process where they were like, you need to integrate with Retention. So uh, Retention Engine. So we met with the Retention Engine team uh, and we just kind of like really vibed and liked them and like they liked what we were doing. And then we realized that they had actually um, kind of set out on a different mission. They had built all these different machine learning models and then kind of like stumbled into product market fit in the subscription like e-com ecosystem. But they had all these other models where they were just kind of like using a fifth of their tech, which is like the churn reduction survey. But they could power all these other things. And we were like, well, wait, like what if, we took like this model that you have and we plugged it into the experience engine and we did like proactive like churn stuff like before somebody even goes in to hit the cancel button. Like, could we predict that Gina is on order number X and has this product and has done these actions before? Therefore, she's a churn risk person not. And they were like, oh, yeah, like that's already built. And I was like, oh, and, like, well, what if we wanted to do like product recommender? Like, oh, yeah, product recommenders already built. So we were kind of like, wait a minute if we could take all this tech and then plug it into our existing app, like now all of a sudden these features we've built can be powered by these models um, that you guys have built out. Also their models have been trained on on like the exact profile of the brands that we're looking for because they were a recharge plugin. So they've been running on like the three, like 300 top brands that do e-commerce subscription. So for us, um, we were like, I, I mean, at first Pearson was like, we're going to do this. And I was like, you're crazy. We're not going to do this. Uh, and we kind of went back and forth on it for a while and decided that um, it, it made sense to acquire them. Uh, so we went through the whole process and uh, it, it was a lot, a lot of legal back and forth, but I'm so glad that we did it. Uh, Cause it really just kind of, put us just light years ahead of anything that we could have built. Absolutely. You skated over something that I really want to highlight here is a lot of people just build to build, but you guys were very specific in the outcome you wanted. Why do you think that was an advantage? So I don't want to say that like, I just like, I'm definitely not like, Oh, like build to get rich and like do whatever. Like at the end of the day, I'm super passionate about this space. I'm doing something that I like, but I think that a lot of people just 
when they do build, they're unrealistic about like what different outcomes can be. They see somebody like Mark Zuckerberg and they're like, oh, I'm going to build a tech app and it's going to be worth billions of dollars. And I think like mm-hmm. you need to be realistic. We also saw a lot of apps in the last two years raise at these really crazy valuations and then get themselves into serious trouble because there is no, like if you're not going to go public, like what else are you going to do? Um, like who's going to buy you for billions of dollars? Like what company kind of does that? Um, so I think that was kind of like how we thought about it was like, let's be smart about this. Like, let's not be another tech company that goes out and just like raises money endlessly without some type of exit strategy. Like, let's make sure that we don't spend 10 years and then like have this like crazy valuation and like just get stuck. Uh, so I think that was kind of the mindset of like, let's make sure that this is something that we could potentially see an exit or get to profitability and take distributions or or something where we're not just going to get stuck. Absolutely. And for anyone out there that's like, this is something that comes up on like the Twitterverse a lot in our little pocket of the e-commerce space. And it's not just e-commerce. It's just a lot of people raising these crazy numbers is there's a lot of businesses that overraised and it literally they cannot sell uh, because of just how the math worked out with the decisions they made when money was a lot cheaper back in the day. And by that, I mean like two years ago. Now, yeah. It, I think like we just saw a lot. And also, t- I mean... There's rumors that Clavio will go public, but to date, nobody's really gone public in the Shopify ecosystem. Like, and like Clavio also not just a Shopify app, they do support other channels. But I think for us, like we were going to build in the Shopify ecosystem, we had to be really realistic about the pricing of each of our rounds, about like kind of where we could go. And like, did I want to go out there and say like, we're going to be a multi-billion dollar company and we're going to go public doing subscription in the Shopify ecosystem? Like, no, I, I didn't think like that, that wasn't enough. Um, so yeah. I think that this is a sign of a more mature entrepreneur. You know exactly what is possible and how to do it. And it almost makes writing that plan just a lot easier. I was able to run so much faster with Stay um, than I like when we were with... I mean, we went from zero to over 40 employees in a year, which is crazy. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's nuts. Like, did you overhire? Did you blah, blah, blah? Did you make mistakes? Like... And it's like, yeah, but like we bootstrapped Lunar Solar and we went from zero to 80 in like three and a half years, um, which like, yes, is that it's slower growth. But like that was kind of our first real go at something like that. Uh, And we learned a lot just about like how to hire, like how to interview, like how to run those processes and like finding the right talent. And I think that just there's so many things about being an entrepreneur that you learn for the first time. Uh, And like going through it with Lunar and then like kind of seeing other pieces with uh, no it was is a huge cheat code to building a, another app. So we talked a lot about the, the journey getting here, and we kind of just glossed over kind of the app a bit. And I definitely want to give you some an opportunity to kind of like let the app shine and some of the features and functionalities that you think position you guys as a unique player in the marketplace. Yeah, I think like there are three main pieces of the app that I I think are kind of different than other stuff in the space. And one is our customer portal. And I think that's something like we really pushed for and kind of pioneered and we're seeing some other people uh, jump into it is creating a customer portal that um, pushes for positive interactions. I think that in the past, people would only go into their portal to take negative interactions. They would go in to skip or cancel. Like nobody was really actively using the portal. Like, yeah, you're getting occasional swaps or stuff like that. But people weren't going into a portal, gifting things to their friends, set, like adding additional one-on products. Like there wasn't like any like fun announcements in a customer portal where I was like, when somebody comes in here, even if they come in with a negative intention, like we want to do everything we can to see if we can get them to do something else. So if they want to skip, like, can we get them to like, because they have too much product 
can we have them to send it to a friend, to a parent, to like somebody else? Like, I, like they're already getting a discount. They're like kind of, you know, mentally prepared for the charge. Can we get them to, you know, and like also that taps in a referral. So it's like, can we get them to gift it to a friend? Also, somebody logs in, they see the same portal every time. What if there's a banner that like brands change out once a month, the same way that you kind of update different campaigns for marketing. Like what if that was just part of your marketing routine where once a month you refresh the um, banner in the customer portal and like you didn't need a developer to do it. The marketing team, the same way that they swap out the creative in an email could go in there and that way it's fresh and you're cycling through. And then on top of that, like, what if you built promos that way every month, there was kind of a different experience for subscribers where they were like, Oh, like this month I get this for $5. Like this month, like I get 20% off that. And like, when you go into a store and like all of a sudden you have these different upsells and whatever, like I'm a sucker for that type of stuff. So I was like, there's gotta be other people like me. So I think the customer portal was one. It was a, a lot of different, like small things that maybe when you like go in, you look at it versus another platform, you don't notice it right off the bat, but as you start to like click around, you'll see like everything is really targeted around like different upsell opportunities um, and, keep, and keeping things fresh. Then um, the retention engine piece, which I think is key, um, the ability to A-B test different things when somebody goes in to cancel a subscription, uh, you know, di what different offers like hit different ways. Are you able to test if there's a video playing or that? Um, I think that's a key piece. And then the experience engine, which kind of sits, uh, it shows different things in the customer portal, but it on the upcoming order notification, which is where you see a lot of people churn, it allows you to test different things in there. And it allows you to say, like, if somebody's on order number two, let them know they're going to get a free gift. Um, if somebody is on order number three and they have this product, let them add this product for $5. And you can kind of create these like really unique experiences and journeys um, with the experience engine. Absolutely. So those are like the three things of like why I'm like, what sets us apart? There's like a lot of like other smaller things, but those are my three favorites. Absolutely. Now you are a self-proclaimed subscription girly. Um, what are, what kind of like uh, subscription tips and tricks can you kind of leave our audience with today? Is there anything we didn't cover? So I would say definitely test things. I think like every brand and everyone's different, of course, where we've seen the biggest impact um, is offering a free gift on the second order and letting customers know they're going to get it, um, especially in that upcoming order notification. So I think that that's important if you've never run some type of test like that. Like, definitely do it with a control group. You don't want to just give away something that's expensive and like have it actually have no impact. I've had customers like test it on order number four and see that there's no impact at all. So like we don't want to just like throw money away. Um, but most brands uh, do see a good a good lift, um, and like they see less skips, less canceled on order number two if they're offering a gift. Uh, and I would also keep the customer portal fresh. Like, don't let it get stale. Uh, go in there, swap out banners, even if you just like change the colors or stuff around. Like, people kind of like get excited. Like, make sure you're different, pushing different add-ons. Um, <laughs> and use AI if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it. If, if I'm if I'm interested in demoing the app, this is a great transition right here. If I'm interested in demoing the app, where should I go? What should I do? Yeah. Um, so you could just go uh, to the website, stay.ai, uh, and just fill out um, a form on there and we'll get in touch to, to schedule um, you to walk through a demo. Like, yes, you can go into the app store, but I think it's best get hop on a demo, actually learn like what tools. And there's a lot of different ways that you can set up your subscription program and we'll kind of help you figure out what the best way is for your product catalog and for your brand. Awesome. Gina, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. 
If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io slash connect. Until next time.